On this episode of the Walking Dead TV podcast, we read negative iTunes reviews, tell unfunny jokes, fit one hour of content into two full hours of show, and Crazy Brad gives away all his Walking Dead trades. The world we know is gone. No Google, no Amazon.com, no email, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Welcome to the Walking Dead TV podcast. This is episode 12, Wildfire. This is Russ. This is Jordan. This is Brad. And this is John. And last week was a big episode indeed. And looking at the numbers, I was I was hitting CBR, comic book resources today, and it looks like the show increased in listenership up to 5.6 million, which uh, is funny because it's kind of following the trend of the comic where... Um, as as the show goes on, just like as the comic goes on, it's actually gaining listeners or gaining readers, gaining listeners um, like the comic does, which is um, unusual in both the TV and the comic world that that you'd have an increase in your audience as time goes by way around. Yeah, I think word of mouth is definitely catching on uh, for the television show. I think the people that were afraid of the zombie premise are, are kind of getting talked into the fact that it's more about people and... Uh, you know, there's some real drama involved, and, and uh, more viewers are just coming around. Plus, this past week was uh, the Entertainment Weekly cover story of The Walking Dead, so I'm sure that got a few more eyes on the show. I hear Buster is pretty prevalent in the uh, in that magazine. I'm serious. He, he is. He's all over it, and it it confuses the heck out of me because I've only seen him in the one episode. Right? Am I right? Yeah. I mean, I know he's listed as being in two. In uh, IMDb, I mean, that could have gotten cut. You know, we don't know. Maybe he'll show up in the finale. Yeah, he's probably on the cutting room floor, I would I would imagine. That's too bad, though, because I thought I was on to something. <laughs> it's it's going to catch on. One of these days, we're going to be either reading a magazine or looking at a website, and they're going to they're gonna make reference to it, and we're going to go, <laughs> we started that. But we've got big, big, big news. We have a very special announcement to make this week. We at the Walking Dead TV podcast have a new sponsor. Yay! Yay! That's right. DCBS. What is DCBS? It's Discount Comic Book Service. It's a mail order service to where you can get your comic books. And uh, I've used it for quite a while now. For those of you that don't know, every month there's a magazine published called Previews. And it has all the comic books and trades and toys and magazines and clothing items and anything else geeky that you can imagine that will be in comic book shops uh, two months from now. Like if an issue came out now, it would show you what's going to be in the stores two months from now. And on DCBService.com, you can order anything in that book through their website. And like I said, I've done that for a while now. And the great part of it is, is that your Marvel and your DC books are all at least 40% off, which is wonderful. Almost half off of your monthly comic book budget. It's amazing. Um, They've also got 
trades. And uh, as listeners of the Walking Dead TV podcast, you you are in a, a position to where if you've never ordered from Discount Comic Book Service, you can use a code in the checkout process to save an additional 8%. I think, John, is that right? Yeah, it'll be 8% on your entire first order with them. So if you've never used them before... You fill up your cart with a bunch of 40 and, and almost 50% off books, including a bunch of Walking Dead books that we can uh, talk about in a minute. And then you put in WD8, and you'll get an extra 8% off your entire order, which should, we were just saying, it should pretty much kill your shipping cost, and, uh, and, and you'll have a nice discount. Yeah, with DCB service, they will ship to you however often you want. You can have it once a month and get a box, you know, once a month. And it's like Christmas when you get that box. It's pretty awesome. You can have it once a month. You can have it twice a month. Or you can have it once a week. And uh, if memory serves, shipping for one month, doesn't matter how much you order, is five ninety five Flat rate shipping once a month. If you want to have shipping twice a month, then there's an additional shipping cost associated with that. But, you know, some of us that read comics all the time spend enough that saving the 40 or 50 or we haven't even mentioned sometimes they have 75 percent off specials on certain issues that come out on a certain month or whatever so obviously the more you buy the more you save it will easily even out that shipping cost and you're still going to save money the the reason we kind of had dcbs in mind as a sponsor and, and we actually reached out to them and the reason being is we're getting all of these uh, listeners of our show that are saying i really want to read the comics now or i just started reading the trades um and they never read comics before so we're really hoping to bring the viewing audience to the to the comic that's one of our one of our goals so just off the bat you can get the volume one hardcover for the walking dead at dcbs the, the cover price is 34.99 that's the first 12 issues. Correct. This is two trades in one in an oversized, right. beautiful hardcover book. And when we say oversized, I have to remember that not everybody is a comic book fan. It's physically bigger than the size of the comic book that came out. You know, it's a, it's a large book, so you're going to get bigger art and uh, a nicer presentation here. The price is $34.99. Uh, the DCBS price is $22.00. So that's a 37% discount on the book. Now you throw your extra 8% using WD8. It's pretty much going to cover your shipping. You know, you're going to end up with a little bit over 20 bucks for a great $35 book that's going to get you the first 12 issues uh, of The Walking Dead. And they have every volume in stock. That's one of the cool things about DCB service. Yes, you can get new stuff that comes out two months from now, but a lot of the more popular books they will keep in stock they usually have available to order every month so you can always catch up on things you miss so if you want to check it out go to www.dcbservice.com and if you decide you want to place your first order you can use that code wd8 you're going to get like 50 percent off your order so you're in great shape just one more quick example the walking dead volume one the trade now so this is the soft cover first six issues of the book regularly 9.95 the dcbs price is 5.97 that's a 40 percent discount throw your eight percent on top of that for your first order now you're talking about getting the the first volume for half price so definitely for the people looking to start up reading you know the soft covers see if you like it 
This is the way to go. They also donated a bunch of prizes for us that we're going to be giving away in the near future to hopefully get some more people uh, started up on the comics. The other way you can get it, I'll just do this real quick, is you could be just like John and I and prepare for the zombie apocalypse and get the Walking Dead Volume 1 Compendium, which is a soft cover telephone book size uh, copy of the first 48 issues. Um, this thing's a monster. So that's another way. If you just if if you feel like you've either read maybe the first trade and love it, and it was such a cheap price, you want to be able to rip through a lot of issues. That that compendium is is worth is worth it. The rest There's nothing been, better for bashing in the brains of the undead. That's true. That is true. It could do some serious damage. That book, Rush. Mm-hmm. You've been a DCBS customer for a while, haven't you? Several years. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing like coming home and seeing that box on your doorstep or you know sitting inside on the kitchen table waiting for you it's like christmas yeah we have it's funny i live out in the boonies but we have an actual box that we've set up for ups and and uh, fedex because i literally live off the beaten path and they won't come to the house so when i know it's coming and i get that that confirm email that the shipping is there i love just pulling up to that box in my car and just reaching out grabbing it and uh, and hauling up to the house and opening it up right when I first get in. But yeah, it's like Christmas twice a month. It's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So, and they will deliver it to your home, your office. I've had it delivered to both places. I've had it delivered to a friend's house. They're really good. They're good people. We've met them in person a couple times. So uh, check out DCBService.com, especially if you're really thinking about starting to pick up some comics. Very cool. All right, so we're going to start off with a voicemail that came in uh, after Vatos, but before uh, Wildfire. So it's kind of a general voicemail. We're going to play that quick, and then uh, we'll get moving. Hey, guys. Brady from New Mexico. I've been listening to the podcast for a little while now, and I love, love the podcast. I'm loving the Walking Dead TV show. I'm a big fan of zombies, zombies genre. I wonder if you guys could talk about the fact that the zombies eat animals. I've never experienced that or had no experience with Okay, zombies as animals, we did speak about that once. What are the specific examples of zombie animals? I guess Resident Evil, the dogs, the video game? Well, to be clear, That's... I think he was asking about zombies eating animals, not about zombies or animal zombies, right? I don't know. The audio was a little rough. Maybe we can address both quickly. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, if, if you're talking zombies as animals, the first thing that comes to mind is Resident Evil. Not only for the dogs, too. I think it was Resident Evil Apocalypse, the third one. They had the big bird swarm or whatever. Yeah, right. I think you're right about that. I, I think I remember that. The, those two examples are the only ones I could uh, come up with. Now, eating animals, uh, I guess we had a rat eater in, uh, in Guts, our second episode. And we had the horse, of course. Which... Oh, the horse, of course. Yes, poor Mr. And, uh... Red. And the deer, which was also from the comics. Yeah. Yeah, someone's um, telling me he meant uh, zombies as animals. Outside of the comics, or outside of The Walking Dead, I think the only zombies eating animals instance I can think of is the George A. Romero film uh, Survival of the Dead, his most newest film, not his greatest by far. But um, there's a whole subplot about whether or not the people of this island can convince zombies to eat a horse rather than people. And I'm not going to spoil that, but yeah, that's what a large part of the movie's about. All right, so there you have it. Brad, how about some iTunes reviews since last time? We got several, several uh, positive ones, and we actually got a couple of negative ones. Uh, If you don't mind, I'm going to start with uh, 
with the negative ones. There's two of them that came in a couple days apart. I'm going to kind of uh, combine the two. One guy says they're thorough. I'll give them that, but they're also boring and a little too serious about it. Uh, I kept finding myself tuning out. The jokes are pretty bad. Another guy says, do we really need to be told each moment of a show that we just saw a couple of days ago? Without much commentary or added insight, this podcast could be a lot shorter. Yes, we do like to talk about it in detail. We're all pretty anal when it comes to that kind of thing. I think I might take issue with the with his comment about how there's not much commentary or added insight. I don't find us to be lacking in that. How do you feel about what he said about your jokes? I know exactly what he's talking about. The jokes are pretty bad, especially <laughs> the ones that, that uh, come from me. So you got me there. But, um, you know, we love doing our show this way. And obviously by the all, all the other reviews that we've gotten, the, the majority of people that listen think so as well. Why don't you, you read some of those others then? Okay. Jinxie3. She's a Twitter follower. She says, I'm new to The Walking Dead as I've never read the books, but watched the show mainly because of Norman Reedus. Yes, I am a little fangirly at times, but this show has me hooked, line and sinker. This podcast is a great companion to the show. I love all the different angles the guys and their listeners bring to the show. They managed to take it to an entirely new level without spoiling anything for those of us Walking Dead newbies. The guys are informative, entertaining, and really complete the total viewing experience. Keep up the good work guys totally recommend this podcast to anyone who's a fan of the walking dead why thank uh, you got another one says excellent podcast for the walking dead if you love the tv show and or the comics you want to hear the then you want to hear these guys if you can't get enough of the tv show but haven't read or know next to nothing about the comics like me then again you really want to listen to this show the guys are all very knowledgeable about the train of the comic itself but they're careful not to let any spoilers loose it's interesting as a novice of the comics to get a different take on the characters and episodes as the season progresses. There isn't just commentary on the show itself and advice about purchasing the comics, but also interviews from behind-the-scenes people like Iron E, Singleton, T-Dog. Check them out. And uh, we got a couple of more great reviews. I could keep reading and reading and reading them, but uh, I want to thank all those people that, that threw in the uh, good reviews and even the the two um, negative reviews. You know, we like to hear what people don't like so we can know what to uh, either change or to ignore and just keep on doing. So, And we have another special guest uh, right from a chef tasting. No, that's <laughs> – I guess zombies would taste chefs, but is that what you call it, Jim? Uh, what the hell were I you? Was- I was uh, great. I was uh, graciously invited to a chef's tasting tonight for the new restaurant that just opened up in Pittsburgh called Salt, uh, by a James Beard Award-winning chef named uh, Kevin Sousa, a good friend of ours. And on actually one of the things on the tasting were sweetbreads, aka brains. So, Very nice. Uh, I brought it all back home to the zombie theme. Hi, everybody. Well, you made it just in time for uh, Jordan to get started with the wildfire walkthrough. So, I just want to say this episode should have been called Dale Rules, and I'll explain why, <laughs> I'll explain why as, as we get on with the recap, but that's, that's yeah, the title I liked. I totally we agree start with Jim. An, we could start an entire campaign to get the, the show changed, you know, their title changed to Dale Rules from The Walking Dead. I could get behind that. The Walking Dale. <laughs> the Walking Dead. Hey, before we start that synopsis, uh, we should also mention that we are going to announce our contest winner at the end of the show Yeah, today. thanks, John. I was just about to bring that up. You know, we got some great entries, and lots of people participated, so I'm looking forward to 
handing out those trades to the winner. That's the contest for all 12 trades, right? Yes, sir, it is. All 12 wow. of them. That is awesome. All right, so episode 105, Wildfire, starts with a sunrise over Atlanta, where Rick is trying to radio Morgan. You'll remember him from episode one of the series. Uh, he talks about how he found his family, but he warns Morgan, do not enter the city. It belongs to the dead now. Rick also recaps the attack on the camp the prior night. I love how his uh, – I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just want to oh, say I really, we, had the, you know, we had him talking to Morgan at the beginning and then near the end of this episode. It was really cool to hear his internal monologue. Morgan kind of uh, in Rick's mind represents hope. You know what I mean? Like there's hope that he, him and his son are still alive out there somewhere. And, you know, he has to, it's almost like he has to keep believing that Morgan is out there uh, for, you know, to him, for him to kind of keep going on. Definitely. And it's a good way to get around like uh, voiceover or something that wouldn't really fit the tone of the show. Right. And it's, it's pretty good exposition even for people who haven't, haven't seen every single episode. It kind of it's, you know, sets, the, sets the table, as it were. Yeah. You know, I don't want to add too much insight to what we're doing or anything, but um, – <laughs> um again this this goes to speak to Rick's character and for me this is what the show is about is Rick and all the people around him. Rick is my favorite character he's in the show and in the book and this just once again just shows what kind of a guy Rick is and the fact that he in the middle of all this craziness that he really still does give a crap about you know for lack of a better way to say it, dangling plot threads in his own life. You know, he is worried about Morgan now, and so he's trying to do what he can to to deal with it. And uh, it just really works for his character. He kind of – this is going way off track, so I'll be fast. He kind of reminds me of Jack from Lost in that he has to save everybody. You know what I mean? Like he's going to go off and make sure Merle got off the roof, and he's got to go and make sure that – Morgan, uh, you know, finds his way out of it since Morgan helped him, and he's pulling himself away from it. Thank you. He's pulling himself away from his family and other things to make sure he can save everybody. It's just kind of like that same syndrome, and other characters don't always take to it. I think viewers like that kind of heroic trait, but it's interesting how other characters react to it. Definitely. Yeah. And that's not the last uh, Lost reference we'll be making tonight in the show, I am sure, especially after that ending. Agreed. So next we move to the camp. Uh, Andrea is non-responsive, and she's still cradling, cradling the body of Amy. She's been there all night. Lori tries to talk to her, but uh, no response whatsoever. And it's at this point I noted that uh, Amy's shirt now looks like a bloody American flag, and this is not the first – I'm sorry, it is the first, but it's not the last American flag that uh, is prevalent in the show, in this particular episode. So I thought that was an interesting interesting one. Can you? Um, I didn't pick that up, Jordan. Can you explain how it looks? It, it's, not a, it's not an American flag pattern on the shirt, right? You're saying that the way right. the blood is kind of laying she's on it? She's wearing a white shirt with blue stars, and she, she's been wearing it since episode one, I guess. And uh, now it's covered in dark blood, so it definitely looks like a faded American flag. Only with the stars and the white transposed, of course. But so it definitely it definitely gives that feeling, whether or not it's a literal representation of a flag. And it could just be my imagination, but I definitely thought it was weird that that would show up as well as the other flag later on. So the people of the camp brain zombie bodies, uh, burn zombie bodies, and discuss the Andrea-Amy situation. Shane says they need to deal with Amy just like all the other bodies. So Rick goes to Andrea, and she pulls a gun on him, and this time she knows how the safety works. So Rick backs away and says several times that he is sorry. And then we go into the opening credits. You know, I totally didn't get 
what was happening with Andrea until she pulled the gun on Rick. You know, like I, when they kept sh- when they kept saying uh, they made a note of her being with Amy like that all night. You know, she stayed with Amy the entire night, and it, and it didn't dawn on me that. And I guess I'm jumping ahead, but the reason that she was staying right with her. And then when she pulls the gun on Rick, it kind of becomes very clear. But I guess we'll get to that scene soon enough. That really right. really surprised me. Uh, I didn't see that coming once she pulled the gun. But it, it's, it just makes me really excited to see uh, where, where Andrea goes in this story, knowing what we know of her already from the books. Every single scene with Andrea and Amy, when I watched this with my wife, my wife was cringing. It was like you know the the the, uh, the stereotypical scene in the movie theater. She's like talking to the screen. Oh, don't do that! She's gonna turn. She's gonna jump and bite you. And especially later in the episode as well. Yeah, I was I mean, too, Jim. It, it was a super uh, like uh, source of tension for her. I was too. I just kept saying, "You better shoot her now. You better shoot her now. You better shoot her." I probably said it like a million times. So then we get a whole bunch of bits and pieces of everyone's reaction to the stress. Uh, if there's one theme of this episode, it's grief and dealing with loss. And uh, we get to see little little snippets of just everyone's uh, – how they're kind of being brought to the breaking point. You know, Daryl calls Amy a time bomb and he wants them to just take care of her. But Lori says to let Andrea be. Uh, Glenn bursts into tears at one point and protests the burning of their human dead. He says, we don't burn them. We bury them. You understand? How do you feel uh, about uh, Glenn's acting here, Brad? Stephen uh, Yoon, I should say, right? Um, it didn't bother me. It actually, I believed it. I think he's gotten better with each episode, actually. I didn't know about that particular outburst the first time I watched it, but going back to uh, to finish out my notes the second time this afternoon, I, I definitely thought it worked pretty well. I mean, it 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 works. It's naturally, you know, I I would have felt the same way as him. You know, I would have been like, no, we got to bury him. You know, I would have. I'm a woman when it comes to that kind of emotional stuff. Anyway, I cry at the movie School of Rock at the end when the kids are playing on stage i mean that's just how emotional i am so you know i can obviously imagine where i'd be in the middle of a zombie issue i thought it was a great character moment for glenn because he of all the characters i guess you would think to stand up and make a point of that it, it probably glenn wouldn't be the first to come to mind so the fact that he was the one that that did that i think was was a, a just a great choice and a, and a great another great character moment for him I think part of the problem I had originally with Glenn and his acting is is that it, Glenn's always been my second favorite character in the comic. And when he didn't live up to my expectation in the first episode, I was very disappointed. But like I said, he's starting to, to warm up to me now. So at this point, Daryl says they all have this coming for what they did to Merle. And I thought it was interesting after we spent a whole episode trying to go back and rescue Merle. This is the only reference to the character in the entire episode. Yeah, we got a voicemail about that uh, that we'll get to later where somebody was saying that they thought that was a little bit off, that all of a sudden Daryl seemed to be okay with the Merle situation. And, and they, uh, they, you know, they leave a note for Morgan, but there's still no sign of Merle. Yeah, the only thing well, I can guess is that you know, last time they at least had an idea of where Merle was. Now he's got a vehicle, and they, he could be literally anywhere. Yeah, that's how I thought. I mean, he left the site. He took their van, so obviously he knew they came back for him. And he decided not to go back to the camp. So, I mean, I think even at this point, Daryl's like, you know, what, what the hell? You know, where? 
you know, why wouldn't you come back at least for me? So I, I wonder if there's some tension there. Um, and if Merle ever makes it back into the picture, if it's not just going to be this, you know, great family reunion between Daryl and Merle, if Daryl's going to, you know, have a little animosity, you know, towards Merle for the fact that, um, A, I think Daryl is bonding more with the with the survivors and, and the fact that Merle kind of took off and, and didn't come back for his brother. Well, not to get too far ahead of what uh, happens later, but when the, um, the group kind of breaks up or whatever, I thought for sure that Daryl was going to leave. Uh, the main group, uh, when they go off to go where they're going. Um, but he didn't, and I think that plays into what Russ is talking about. He seems to be bonding more with uh, the survivors, even though, you know, even as he curses them for not, you know, taking out Amy or not uh, burning uh, their own dead. Daryl's a necessary evil, I think, in the group, you know. I think they, I think yeah. the leaders respect that he's willing to do what needs to be done. But in the ultimate, uh, I, I mean, eventually, I guess they're going to run into Merle again. Is, is Merle going to take that as a betrayal? I mean, it'll be an interesting plot point to see play out. For sure. So at this point, uh, they're up. I think this, is, this scene takes place up at the graves. But I'm not 100% sure. But uh, Jackie figures out that Jim was bitten during the attack. The, the camp quickly comes to him, and they, they grab him to look at the bite, and it's bad. But he's adamant that he's okay. So they discuss the morality of killing Jim. Um, Rick decides that he wants to go to the CDC to see if they have a cure. Shane doesn't like that. He wants to go to a nearby military base, Fort Benning, which is 100 miles away in the opposite direction. And Daryl's had enough with talking and almost takes a pickaxe to Jim. But Rick pulls a gun and says, we do not kill the living. That was an awesome scene. And I really like Daryl's uh, response, too. I forget exactly what it was, but it was something like, yeah, very cute coming from somebody who just pulled a gun on me. Yeah. Was I the only one that had a flashback to their childhood when uh, when the lady was like, Jim got bitch? Yeah, I was like, that's just like my brother. I'm going to tell on you. I, you, you. You did something wrong. I'm telling on you. My, my first thought and response was, he's got red on him. <laughs> got red on you. Got red on you. Jackie's relationship with Jim was interesting the whole episode because yeah. she was the one who called him out, but then she was also the one who stayed with him um, – in the trailer, tending to him for quite a bit of the episode. Uh, this is one spot. The Jim the situation is, is one spot where personally the length of the season is hurting it for me. Like, I just don't care about Jim enough yet for it to be a big deal. What but I was going to gonna say fair, is that this storyline in the, in the comic took a lot longer to play out, and we got to know Jim a little bit better than we did in the show. It seems a little bit annotated in this version. See, my memory of the comic is that we don't really know Jim much at all until he's bit. And then everything after that is kind of when we learn about him. Is, is that wrong? Or um, I think he's always yeah. there, though. Like, you might not know yeah. him very well, but he's in the group for a long period of time. Because I, I was enjoying right. that they had fleshed him out a little bit in the two previous episodes, giving him lines here and there, which I don't think they had done in the comic. Mm. I'd have to go back and check. Like I said, I'm not yeah. sure. But I grew to really like Jim in the show. You know, he went from nut job to sane to tragic, pathetic figure. And his, when he's sitting in the, um, I know we'll talk about it in a second, but when he's having those zombie flashbacks or, or visions, that was really kind of creepy. So Dale goes to pay his respects to Amy. Andrea is still there holding the body. Um, and he tells Andrea how he lost his wife. His wife accepted death, 
but he never could, and he felt angry and cheated ever since. And he says that since she died of cancer, uh, Amy and Andrea were the first people he had ever cared anything for. They discuss how Andrea always missed Amy's week-long birthday affair, and Dale says that things are hard enough, uh, hard enough already without adding guilt into the mix. So Andrea pulls the mermaid necklace out and puts it on Amy's body. Dale is pickaxing bodies, and Carol has Daryl let her do Ed himself or herself. Uh, she's crying at first, but I don't think it was very surprising when she uh, then goes into full rage mode and starts hitting him over and over again to the point where Daryl is even taken aback by her actions. Okay, this is where there's, I guess, two issues I had with this episode, and, and these are both very minor, but still just something that stood out to me. The foley on them pickaxing the bodies, you know, like the, the sound effects – they seemed a little overdone to me, like like it was unnaturally loud and clear, the sound that the pickaxe made when it hit the bodies. I'm, um, in, I'm in your camp with this, Russ. And I, and I don't know why that made me notice it, but it just seemed like it seemed like it was Foley. It just seemed very pulled out. Well, audio done right does not draw your attention. Audio done incorrectly makes you go wait a minute did you hear that what was that why why did that sound fake and and i think i think that that was part of what was going on here yeah yeah i think they could have just damped that down a little bit and i think it would have been all right and i don't know if they were trying to overdo the effect um but to me it just kind of took me out a little bit it it made me you know this is gonna sound silly but it just made me you know that much clearer that i'm watching a tv show (laughs) Well, the, um, the first couple of times I heard that, I actually cringed like, ooh, that's gross. And then it, it almost became humorous. Yeah. Well, I thought, I thought that was a great reaction shot, though, from Norman Reedus's character as she yeah. does it. Like, like Jordan said in his uh, recap, he even kind of is, is stunned by her ferocity. Yeah, but he underplayed it. It was nice. It wasn't, it wasn't over the top or anything. Russ, you See, said I, you had two problems with the scenes, right? Oh, sorry, sorry, Brad. I think she underplayed it because I expected her to really kind of go – psycho with with the pickaxe but she seemed a little bit too calm yes she took repeated strikes at his noggin but i really didn't see any anger in her or as much as i expected so i i really kind of expected her to to ham it up a bit but she didn't so we then rejoin andrea and amy and andrea realizes that amy is reanimating and at this point andrea takes some time to clear up those issues she discussed with Dale and she says to Amy that she's sorry for never being there. I always thought there would be more time. Uh, it's a very moving scene and one of the best reanimation scenes I've ever seen in a zombie context. And uh, I, I would like to take this point to say I take back my complaints about Emma Bell from last episode who plays Amy. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of her work on the boat but uh, I think she really nailed this scene as a zombie. So uh, I, I give it up to her there. I gotta agree with you, Jordan. That That was a really amazing scene. I was like, yeah, I wonder how, you know, as an actor, you know, how many times do you get the chance to actually portray a zombie or reanimation from human to zombie? Probably not that many, but but she did great with it. You know, it, it was totally believable. It was slow. It was uh, gradual. And, you know, as she started to wake up, you kind of got the feeling that there was still a little bit of her humanity possibly still there as she reached up to touch her sister's face. But then you saw those fingers grab on that hair and start to pull her down, take a chunk out of her. It was just really well done. 
Mm-hmm. So where does this put our time frame at from death to reanimation? About 12 hours? Uh, eight I would to say 12, that's, probably. Yeah, it's, yeah, it was dark, and then it was light. Yeah, I'd say anywhere from, like, Jordan 8 to 12. That's probably a good a good guesstimation. This is where we get to the to the other problem I had with the show. And, again, this is very, very minor. Overall, I think they did an outstanding job, and I love the fact that she stayed with her until – reanimation and then and then you know what she did the only thing i have to say in the negative is i think it was just a little too much um and it went you know when you look at it from how much screen time they chewed up with the with the two of them between the end of the last episode and then all they did with this episode given the short six episode season i think they chewed a lot of screen time with those two and Amy being dead. Um, I mean, I get it, and I, and I think the the actors in those scenes did an outstanding job. And I, I think you know, I have no complaints about the performance. I just think they might have been able to kind of chop it a little bit and compress it to get more more of the story in as uh, in the other characters in. So that's that's my minor my minor nitpick. I disagree with you there, Russ. I think it's moments like this that are what make The Walking Dead The Walking Dead comic or TV show. I think this is stuff you don't want to compress. This is the stuff you want to have there. And if you have to cut out two or three minutes of people running around shooting things, that's the right decision. But I mean, that's just my opinion, though. Yeah, and and it's a tough deal because you're right. I mean, that is what makes The Walking Dead The Walking Dead. Um, And and maybe if you do chop that out too much, then people don't get a real feel for it. Um, I just think that's what hurts a six episode run. And, you know, maybe. You know, I I don't know. I don't know what this what the solution that to to. Is. Um, I, I really wish this would be more like a, uh, um, and I'm I'm sure AMC is probably wishing it at this point, given the ratings, more like what TNT or USA or Sci-Fi does with their where they do like half seasons, um, so you still get like a full 22 episodes, but you get it like a a 10 episode and a 12 episode or an 11 and 11 or you know, a 10 and a 10 or whatever, where they split it up in six months apart. So, you know, they'll do like the winter stuff and then they'll do like a summer thing. Um, you know, so, so still in a one year time frame, you get a full season, but, um, you know, that, that may have mitigated some of the, some of that. So as we touched on before, uh, Amy, as she's reanimating, tries to bite Andrea, but Andrea, after she said her piece and, and kind of, um, she, she's come to terms with the situation. She shoots her in the head after saying that she loves her. So we then cut to Rick and Shane burning the bodies, and Shane blames Rick for the attack. He says that Rick took half their main manpower with him to, uh, to Atlanta, and had they been there, the attack might not have been so bad. But Rick says if they hadn't gotten the guns, maybe no one would have survived. Um, at that point, Daryl comes over and says they should have burned the bodies and not buried them, so people all over the place are angry. He says these people need to know who's in charge and what the rules are. But Laurie responds and says that they need to hold on to the ritual of burial and mourning because it's what people do. This is more that alpha male struggle that we talked about a couple of shows ago. You can even throw Daryl into the mix with uh, with Shane and, and Rick. Yeah, I think Daryl – I don't think Daryl would want to be the top dog though. I think he's comfortable um, following somebody and just being the muscle. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, this whole thing is very interesting. I mean, 
you know, you have Lori. Does she really believe, you know, does she really side with Rick or does she just not want to side with Shane at this point? You know what I mean? It's it's a whole interesting, uh, the, the way the personalities are playing off each other right now, it's very interesting. I really like the way the, the burial kind of is very, very representative of them clinging on to civilization and normalcy and something that they, you know, still believe in that kind of separates them from the zombies. You know what I mean? Like the the ritual of burial, burying their dead, burying the people from their party who they knew who had died, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to burning the anonymous zombies. I mean, really, it just speaks to them. Like Laurie keeps trying to cling on to some sort of normalcy and and and, and uh, safe. You know, like that scene with Carl. You know, when he looks up at Rick and says, "Are we safe?" You know, it's kind of um, just them clinging on to like these last vestiges of of what the their lives were before. And it recalls uh, episode two, Guts, where they have the body of Wayne Dunlop as well. They don't want to forget their humanity and just um, just go full bore ahead. And it's such an ironic way to cling on to your humanity in a zombie apocalypse because the dead are what's going to get you. So, <laughs> so hanging around with the dead and trying to do the right thing and bury them and handling them and stuff, it's just like got bad written all over it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, we then get a quick scene of Jim in the camper, and he's starting to go delirious, and he's having visions of zombies and quick cuts. So and while we're in the trailer with Jim, I should point out, again, talking about American flags, here we have an upside-down American flag right next to him, uh, an upside-down flag, of course, being an international uh, signal for distress, which Jim is clearly in, as, as is the entire group. Um, but so once again, a American flag faded upside-down to bookend with our bloody American flag t-shirt. Uh, we then cut back to Andrea and Dale burying Amy as the camp mourns. And Rick asks if Lori blames him for not being there like Shane does uh, when there was a zombie attack last, last episode. She says that neither of them is entirely wrong. Uh, and then they discuss the CDC trip. She asks him to tell her something that he's certain of. And he says, I love you. And that's all I've got. And she replies, I love you, too. I thought it was a nice scene between the two of them. Yeah. So then we go back to Jim and the camper. And this time Carol is tending to Jim. Rick and Lori come by to talk to him, and Rick tells Jim about their CDC plan. And Jim says, that sound you hear? That's God laughing while you make plans. Uh, Then Jim starts to go a little bit crazy, and he talks about mangroves, the boat, Amy, and the mangroves cutting through the boat. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, although I'm sure there's lots of metaphor there. Yeah, see, I had a problem understanding what Jim was saying in this this section, and I actually rewound it a few times, and tried to listen to what he was saying i either was confused because it didn't make sense or i literally could not tell what he was saying yeah i watched it a few times too i think they were just trying to show how out of it he was but i, I do think they also tried to throw in some there it was like uh the mangroves he's talking about and then he's like the roots are going to tear through the boat oh i can see it now there's amy she's swimming and you'll watch the boat won't you won't you rick you've got to keep watching the boat so yeah it didn't make a whole lot of sense i'm sure mangroves represent something Boats represent something, but uh, I couldn't tell you what. Shane goes to Lori to ask her to talk some sense into Rick about the CDC. Lori tells Rick she trusts his gut. And at this point, Rick and Shane go for a walk in the woods with guns to do a zombie sweep. And so you already have a bad feeling in your stomach. Shane says to think of his family. Or Shane tells Rick to think of his family and that the CDC trip is too dangerous. But Rick says it's the safest move all around. And they get into a bit of an argument. Shane says he was the one who kept Lori and, Rick, uh, Lori and Carl safe. And Rick says he knows he can never repay that debt. Uh, and Shane is quickly getting paranoid. 
So they hear a noise off in the woods, and Rick goes off in one direction to investigate, and Shane goes in another. Shane brings up Rick in his sights. He gets a really weird look on his face, and he almost shoots Rick, but he thinks better of it. And then we see that Dale saw the whole thing. Uh, Shane plays it off as an accident, but Dale does not seem to buy it. I've seen, I, we see some really good acting in this episode. Like I said before, the Norman Reedus reaction to you know the skull splitting, and here again with uh, Jeffrey Demute uh, with his reaction to seeing Shane, you know, looking down the barrel of his shotgun at Rick just across the field. I mean, he knows what's going on. There's, there's no. I mean, just from that expression on his face, you could tell he's not only did he see the whole thing, but he knows what's going on. Dale's looking, and all he says was Jesus. You know, it's like, really? Are you, you can't be serious. You were actually considering doing that. And that said it all. Just the one word. Yeah, definitely. So then we cut back to the camp and Shane has, I'm going to say out of guilt, but I don't really know for sure. He has a change of heart and he tells the group that he's decided to follow Rick's plan. They need to stay together and they're going to leave the first thing in the morning. So we then have a scene that mirrors the opening of the episode and Rick tries to radio Morgan again to tell them they're leaving for the CDC. And he says they're going to leave a note and a map behind for him. Morales, Miranda, and their children. Uh, we saw Morales in episode two. We haven't really seen the others too much, but they've been around. Um, they tell the group that they've decided to split, and they're going to f- go to her family in Birmingham. So Rick and Shane give them a 357 and some rounds. And at this point, the whole group uh, from two different directions go off into the open road. They leave the Challenger and a note and a map taped to it for Morgan. To me... The whole going to the CDC thing made a lot of sense. Um, I mean, I guess you can make the argument that a that a army base might be a better choice. But we saw, you know, between downtown Atlanta, between the hospital, that it seemed like the military was kind of overrun. And just from my thinking, the CDC is probably like almost an impenetrable fortress if it's if it's meant to keep germs either in or out it's got to be pretty locked tight and um you know if you if you already got weapons and stuff and they may have answers they may have an antidote they may have a cure like like rick is thinking i still think that's the smarter play i mean if it you know worst case you go there and if it's a bust um you know then you make it to to the fort yeah we're going to get into it a lot more at the end of the episode we've got some uh, some voicemails in an interview with Robert Kirkman himself. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know if people realize this or not, because I don't know if I was fully aware of it. But when we say the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, or the CDC, that's not a generic term. Like, okay, in Atlanta, there's a CDC, and in Washington, D.C., there's a CDC, and in New York, there's a CDC. In Atlanta is the, capital T, capital H, capital E, Center for Disease Control. It is the center of disease control for the United States of America. So it would make sense for them to go there. But I thought it was great that it brought tension between Rick, Shane, and Lori um, as to who's going to be on what side and who had the better argument and, and all that. And that, that, that whole bit with, with Shane and the, and the shotgun in the woods and everything was I, – I just – to me, that was like, okay, this is The Walking Dead. You know, to me, it it put everything to rest uh, about you know about the sh- and whether they could take the what we know of the graphic novel and translate it in into the TV show. That was like okay, they've got it down perfect um, in my book. So the group goes off onto the road, and this is where we have some of the I'm going to call it the most standard music we've had in the show so far. But I'll say it's just kind of the most generic music. It was good, but it felt like any other TV show. 
And it was very loud, which was odd for this particular program. So the camper overheats. Uh, as as uh, Dale says, at this point, it's more duct tape than hose, and he's all out of duct tape. Jim's about to die, and Rick goes to see him. And, he, and Jim asks Rick to leave him behind. He says he wants to be with his family. So Dale wants what Jim wants. Lori agrees. Everyone kind of finally comes to terms with it. And they leave Jim leaning up against a tree. Jim refuses a gun offered by Rick. They all bid Jim goodbye, and they return to the convoy. Now, somebody who has a better memory than I, refresh me. In the book, didn't he take the gun from Rick? Didn't Rick leave him with a gun with, like, a bullet in it? Um, I thought he left him a fully loaded weapon. I, I think I mean, he I, did, Jim. I thought it I was think... pretty... Because I thought in the book he left him a gun, and in the, in, the, in the show here, he refuses the gun. And other than that, though, I thought it was very close to what uh, we saw in the book uh, with the end of Jim's character. Yeah. Yeah, I, think, I mean, not to, again, not to spoil the book, but I think there was um, a better reason for him to leave him with a weapon or for Jim to want a weapon when, uh, when they left him. Speaking of things that are in the comic, the next section definitely isn't. It was a bit of a jarring uh, experience, but I don't think necessarily a bad one. When we come back from commercial and we're introduced to a character named Jenner, and he's talking into a camera. He says it's been 194 days since wildfire was declared and 63 days since it abruptly went global. Uh, we see him get into a bio suit and go into a clean room where he's working on some tissue samples, including one called TS-19. So he's running tests. And he's very tired. Apparently, he hasn't been sleeping well because he doesn't know whether it's day or night because he's underground. Uh, he gets some of the corrosive material he's working with onto his bio suit and it corrodes right through the gloves of his hands. So he goes to the emergency wash station. The lab goes into full decontamination mode and explodes. He's still alive, though. Uh, but he's lost his freshest samples. Everything else is necrotic. He doesn't know if anyone else is watching his transmissions. He says, tomorrow, I think I'm going to blow my brains out. I haven't decided. But tonight, I'm getting drunk. And he's the only one in a giant CDC room. And my thoughts definitely were that it was a very Desmond in the uh, hatch feel from Lost. Yeah. yeah. I totally thought all of a sudden, I was like, when did, did I ever? I must have missed this episode of Lost when it came on. <laughs> he even looks like Clancy Brown, who played uh, Kelvin Inman, who was also in the hatch before, before Desmond was there. So it was kind of a funny uh, coincidence. I also uh-huh. thought of. I didn't um, think he looked a thing like Clancy Brown. Oh, I think he did. Then I'm wrong. Not not like identical twins, but similar enough to make you double take. Like maybe second or third cousins. Yeah, yeah. Probably. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was a bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, when he was throwing the wine bottle, it reminded me of uh, Will Smith in uh, I Am Legend when he's hitting the golf balls off like the. Uh, aircraft carrier just because he can you know because he- <laughs> yeah definitely yeah. and it should be noted that that tissue sample now granted uh, there's a bit of a contention here whether it's tissue sample 19 or test subject 19 but whichever one it is the next episode of the show is called ts19 so i'm assuming we're going to be touching on that quite a bit next uh, next hour one thing i'd like to throw in also we have a um a good friend of ours lynn who is ducky is lost on the twitter um she said that this was very similar to the Andromeda strain. Um, yes, it is yes. actually. Um, yes. the, ori- the original movie, anyway. I didn't see the remake that A and E had a few years ago, but the original, you, the remake was pretty you, terrible. Yeah, you did yourself a service. Good, I'm glad. <laughs> By the way, the original, do you know? Who... I remember seeing the original pretty, as a pretty young kid on TV, 
and it kind of blew my mind out. And now in the 80s, you know, we were already all afraid of nuclear bombs, but now we had to be afraid of, you know, germ outbreaks as well. You know, it was a really creepy, claustrophobic movie, but it was very much like this. They were in an underground bunker, uh, sealed off. Uh, a, a disease had affected most of the population of Earth, and they, they were sealed. And the whole thing had started just because of one simple spill and mistake, very much like what happens to Jenner in this episode. So as the Twitter conversation uh, was sparked by Lynn, and uh, I told her that I wasn't familiar with it, could she explain how it was similar? And then I guess she started looking things up as she was explaining, and guess who the executive producer of the Andromeda Strain miniseries was? She says it came out in 2008. Yeah, that was the sci-fi version, I think. Frank Darabont. Really? So there's your connection. The yep. original movie, which is based on – it's all based on a book by Michael Crichton. But the yeah. original movie is quite well known because of animal cruelty. There's a scene where a – it's supposed to be that I think a chimp or a monkey of some type is infected with the Andromeda strain and dies in a room. And the way they filmed that was by sucking all the oxygen out of the room while filming. The 70s weren't very kind to animals. Between Patton and this one and um, The Godfather, it was uh – Animals or, or haircuts, by the way. Haircuts were pretty bad, too. I'll take your pick. <laughs> <laughs> I love me some 70s prog rock, though. That was a plus. <laughs> oh, and one one other thing, just real quick. Since the, the getting on the, on the Andromeda strain um, connection, the team that was assembled to deal with the, with the outbreak was called the Wildfire Team that was put together of these scientists of various backgrounds to, to go into this facility, which... Again, in this, they, the episode's called Wildfire, and they, I think they refer to it as a wildfire incident or wildfire out- outbreak. So, um, If I had to guess, I would think that that's probably an established real-world term for I, a, such a breakout. I, I thought so because I'd swear that I've heard that before outside the Andromeda strain in this episode. And I did some digging on – I did Google search. I did uh, Wikipedia. And the only references to wildfire I find are the traditional forest fire um, inferences to to wildfire. That it literally refers to a large um, grass fire, <laughs> or a ter- or a really bad '70s song by Michael Murphy. There you go, Jordan. How did, how did you say a bad song? Don't make me sing that song to you, Jim. Please don't. <laughs> so our camp gets to the roadblock outside the CDC. Uh, they hoof it through tons of t- dead bodies. I- I'd probably say there's as many dead body extras here as there were zombie extras in the pilot. Uh, what did you guys think about the effect of the flies? I mean, because as they come in, they're trying to like be quiet and kind of you know hurry single file. But they had the, I think I guess they were digitally added later. It seemed like uh, they they had like an immense amount of flies and a lot of the sound of flies swarming. I know you're talking about Foley's uh, before. What did you guys think about that effect? Um, this one didn't – to me, it didn't stand out as much just because the, of the volume that there were so many. I just thought it would add to the creepy factor that uh, these people have been out there for a while. And again, to, to compare and contrast with the comic, I think these moments in the TV show um, are better portray why it really works as a live-action deal compared to – um, to really get the sense of how nasty things are um, at times with the printed page, whereas um, in a in a in a moving you know video and in, in, in film you can you can really 
bring it to the audience that that some t- time has definitely passed and things are starting to decompose and and get really ugly. I had a hard time figuring out where all these people came from. I mean, were they were they walkers to begin with? Uh, I, I kind of assumed they they were, and then the military like killed them or or you know snipers from inside the CDC building before it got run over. Did they shoot all these? people i mean obviously That's, they've been there they've been there a long time and they're not near as fresh as the walkers downtown but you know I, I, it it just really wasn't clear to me where these all these bodies came from that's if i had to guess i think you're right but they'll probably yeah. touch on it more next episode yeah that's how i took it i think a lot of them were in military outfits or some of them at least were so i think it could be a combination too of People that were fighting, people that were already walkers, and then others that became walkers. They were probably uh, told to. Uh, I was guessing they were ordered def- to defend the CDC at all costs. You know, from probably mostly from walkers. But so as they're walking through the dead bodies, buzzers go off inside Jenner's office, and he turns on the cameras and he sees our group outside. So there's lots of arguing outside because Jenner's not acknowledging that they're there. But Shane wants to go for Fort Benning. Zombies are approaching, so they have to start shooting them. Everyone's freaking out, and Rick sees the camera move. Jenner's talking to himself, and he just wants everyone to go away, but Rick pleads for anyone to open the door. He says, we have children, we have women, we have no food, we have almost no gas. You are killing us. And Shane pulls Rick back just as the shutters open, and a bright light, very much a la the season series finale of Lost, emerges. And that ends our episode. Well, or got- close encounters of the third kind. I mean, if you really want to go back to the whole, you know, door opening with the bright light and you can't, it's so bright you can't see who's there. Definitely. Well, yeah, it's it's so totally more that, and it's not at all like Lost. And Jordan only has a a frame of reference that is half as long as yours or mine, Jim. So, you know, when were you born, Jordan? I was born in 1987. See, so Jim, he, he never, yeah, he never saw Close Encounters, you know, the way we did. So. But yeah, I totally thought Close Encounters when I saw that. That that was just really, really cool visual. What do you guys think of Jenner not wanting them there, telling them to just go away? You think he's afraid of like them using up his supplies if they come in, or like why wouldn't he want more living people with him? Um, well, he had just kind of decided to kill himself, so why? You know, we fear change. You know, we we don't be. like it when our schedules are messed up. Plus, he's probably afraid of infection. Yeah, it could be a lot of things. I mean, it could be infection. It could be he's used to being on his own. It could be he's a little crazy. It could be that he doesn't want them to find out that something that happened there may have started this whole thing. Um, or that that they may know or have a hand in it. And, um, you know, that, that may bode poorly for him. Um, hard, hard to say. But likely we'll touch on it next episode, I'm assuming. Yeah. I just I thought that ending's incredible. I mean, just the way that Rick was just so desperate, and everybody was pulling him away, and they were like, "Okay, we tried it your way. Now we're screwed. It's getting dark. We've got to get the hell out of here. You know, enough. You know, no more." And and Rick being so defiant and so convinced that there's somebody in there and that he could get through to that to to that person or those people to to get help. And then when it finally paid off at the end, when that door opened up and that bright light hit, I just thought that was just, just an excellent piece of, um, of, of cinematography. I mean, whoever the set designer was and whoever was, was shooting that, 
that sequence was did just an outstanding job, and I thought it was a was a great way to end the episode, and you know definitely leave you wanting more for the finale. Do we want to go around and do uh, some ratings? Uh, I will probably give this one a four and a half. I enjoyed pretty much everything about it, but it was a little bit slow in parts. I will give this one five busters. Um, I know I had a couple little nitpicks um, on it, but that wasn't an, I think the payoffs were well worth it, even, even with the nitpicks. And to me, this was just as good as the pilot. I mean, this again, proved to me that they, they've done a stellar job translating this, this book that we've all, you know, been so um, enamored with for such a long time and that they could move off the beaten path into something completely different and it still work. So, um, so five for me. I'd have to say uh, four and a half out of five busters for me. This was probably my favorite episode since the uh, premiere. Uh, the tension-filled scenes with Andrea and Amy uh, at the very end with Rick trying, you know, trying to get the guy, uh, Jenner, to uh, open the door to the CDC. The tension was uh, really great there. The scene with Jim was awesome. We saw some really good acting from pretty much all, the entire cast. So uh, four and a half out of five for me. Yeah, I'm going to give it somewhere between four and four and a half for all the things Jim just said, lots of cool scenes together, lots of uh, good acting. Um, you know, I, I like the zombie action. I wish there was a little bit more of it and, you know, I might've given it a, a strong four and a half at that point, but, um, I really, really did enjoy it. And I really like this whole CDC plot line. That's new to all of us. I'm going to go 3.75. I'm not going to give it a four because I don't want to tie it with other episodes that I liked better than it. But I liked it better than the 3.5, which I gave Guts. So 3.75, a little slow for me. I didn't really care about Jim, which hurt that whole scene a little bit. I was hoping for a little bit more. Um, Disappointed that we haven't seen Merle yet. I know that's going to pay off somewhere down the road. But I didn't like the way it wasn't addressed at all. Uh, but still very good. I don't have any problem with the CDC angle. Again, I like that they're going in a different direction than the comic. I don't want to know exactly what's happening. And at this point, I think it's safe to say that we have no idea what's going on. Um, so that's cool. All right. So with that, we're going to go right to our Tweeting Dead segment. <laughs> And we'll get some Buster ratings from our Twitter friends. Uh, Alan, zero fights. Geeky science for the win, five out of five. Thank you for that. We got Aaron's PS3. Uh, Had a lot of very good individual scenes. Not sure about it as a whole yet. Three and a half Busters. Uh, Jen Deve says, amazing episode, five Busters. Glenn needed a hug and poor Jim... I was digging him as much as I dislike Shane. Uh, she also says in a second tweet, where is Merle in all caps? And we know what all caps means. She's definitely means business. Loki Beat says there is a definite wow moment or two in it. Some expected, some not. It's departed so much from the comic, it stands alone. Uh, Ducky is lost. That's Lynn again. Gave it 4.8 pickaxes. Andrea and Amy were heartbreaking, as was Jim. I'm loving Dale. Shane, not so much. Um, Girl of Mayhem, great episode. Excited for the finale. Four and a half busters. 
Luthen four busters. The Andrea and Jim scenes felt right out of the comic. Love Daryl. Shane and Laurie, not so much. Glad Dale caught Shane. A uh, couple more quick ones. Let's see. Brad. Uh, that's Brad ZB. 4.3 busters. Loved Ed's wife going to town on his melon. And Harley Big Daddy. 4.9 busters. Really good human episode. So thanks a lot to everybody on the Twitter. We're having a lot of fun. And uh, hang in there because we're going to be reading our Twitter contest winner in a little bit. Rust, we have an email that we can get to. We do. We have one from Aaron. And uh, he says, hey, dude, Aaron from Laguna Hills. Um, Some thoughts on this week's episode Wildfire or those really dirty, sweaty people leave the camp. I gave an initial thought on Twitter last night where I stated that I thought this episode had a lot of very good sequences. I stand by those thoughts. Um, Moments such as Andrea taking out Amy, despite being a pretty close-range gunshot with almost no reaction from Andrea as far as her hearing would go. Shane taking aim at Rick and clearly becoming more in Hitch as a character, followed by Dale's awesome response, Jesus, and the way the group says goodbye to Jim were all solid and well-handled. However, having the group say goodbye to the family we didn't really know anything about and the fact that Daryl was pretty quiet about Merle's disappearance this week but earlier and gave our thoughts on that, especially since Rick left a note for Morgan while Merle is left with no clues to where the group could have gone kind of threw me off. Of course, the biggest element is the whole CDC thing. We'll see more of this next week, but obviously this is the biggest change from the comic we've seen so far. I can't really say if I liked it or not yet in terms of how it gels with the rest of the series. I'm going to wait and see on that, but I did like the sequence itself and how it was presented. Overall, I give the episode three and a half busters. A lot of good scenes, but the buildup left me more eager for next week. Finally, I'm really going to try and call in with a voicemail next week for the final episode of the season. Always happy to share my thoughts with you dudes. Looking forward to the podcast. P.S. Did Buster steal Rick's hack this week? I know it was hot outside, but Glenn saved that thing for him. So thank you, Aaron. Uh, He was wearing it in the last shot, wasn't he? When they go to the CDC? I don't know. Not that I recall. Um, I'm looking at a screen cap right now. Granted, it's from next week's episode, but... It looks to be like seconds after the episode ended, last episode ended, and he's definitely wearing the hat. Hmm. So maybe he wasn't wearing it around camp, but, you know, it didn't disappear. Gotcha. Okay, so we have some voicemails to play, and uh, we have a bunch of them, and I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on the clock. We really enjoy the voicemails. We just need to uh, be conscious of the time. I edited a couple of them down to just make them easier to get to. Uh, so without further ado, here is our first. Hey guys, uh, this is Tyler Crone, long-time listener in the uh, HHWLOD network, uh, first-time caller, calling in for the uh, Walking Dead show. Uh, just got done watching the show, and wow, uh, this, this last, uh, the most recent episode, the I don't know what it was called, it, it, was, it blew my mind. It's definitely, in my opinion, the best episode of the show so far. Uh, including the pilot, the especially when after that commercial break, when we came back and the guy inside of the uh, CDC, that kind of threw us all off guard because you know it was such a complete change in tone from the rest of the episode. And of course, my roommate and I are sitting there and was like, you know, what the heck's going on? This was not in the comics. Uh, and when we saw them leaving the camp so early, you know, again, it, it was kind of a shock. So I'm interested to see in 
where this show is going, how they're going to end the season, if they're going to end it in the same way that we thought they were, you know, the last issue six or the last episode, the last part of the first trade. If that's going to happen, I almost thought it was going to happen this episode, but it ended up not happening. Uh, I mean, this is a total roller coaster. I have no idea where they're going with this. Again, I'm a huge fan of the ne- entire network that you guys have going on. Uh, you know, I, I just keep up the good work, guys. I look forward to your show every week. It's a must-listen, and considering how busy my schedule is, that is a major compliment. I, I hope you guys keep up the good work, and I can't wait to see what your opinions were on the show. See ya. All right, thanks for that. We appreciate all of the kind words. What do you guys think about them leaving the camp so soon? We didn't really touch on that. I mean, I think at this point the trades are out the window. I mean, I think they're going to go back and use certain storylines, but chronologically, I just don't think you can put them side by side anymore. Yeah, no, you totally can't. Um, you know, it, it start, in the book it starts snowing about the time that some of the events that happen in this uh or even in last week's episode uh, happened, it, in the book it's snowing. So I, I think you're right, John. I think you know it, it's really pretty much diverged and has become its own thing that it stands alone on, like that one guy said. And you know, if it if it go when it goes back to the path that you know Frank Darabont has mentioned, it's just gonna feel familiar like oh yeah i remember this from the books but it, i think at that point it's going to be so totally its own entity that it's really not going to matter anymore I, i'm fine with it i think to be honest with you they stayed in that area a little too long in the book so i i think i always thought it'd be more human nature to want to try and keep moving when you could to try and find either more people or more resources or whatever so to me it's it's totally fine okay i'm gonna get to another one that's a little bit on the longer side but uh a very good voicemail so i want to do that and then maybe we'll hit a couple of short ones back to back here we go hey guys how you doing it's uh loki beats on twitter uh big fan of the show uh discovered the the comics as a result of the series and uh and about four volumes into the comic books uh and I have to say that the, the show last night just totally deviated into an alternate universe from a, from a Walking Dead Canaan uh, perspective. Uh, and I think you can really say right now that they are uh, just need to be evaluated and, 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 and considered different, uh, different entertainment vehicles. I like the comic books. I, I've, I've emailed you guys to tell you what I like about it. I just like the apocalyptic world. Um, how people react uh, in, in the absence of social norms and rules, you know, how do people react. And, uh, you know, I think these two altern- alternate visions have, uh, uh, give a little bit of that. Um, the only, the only um, concern I have about the show and, and, and the, the episode five, um, uh, it's a good word for it, the, the illuminating moment, I guess, is that, you know, emphasis on a cure really kind of takes away one of the big elements of, of what I think the, the comic book and, and the whole storyline is, which is, you know, how do, how do you survive um, in a world where, you know, the living or the walking dead is, you know, what hope you have uh, in, in an environment like that. And a bit depressing, but, you know, that's kind of why we like uh, entertainment, um, to, to create these alternate worlds 
uh, to see how we how we react. So um, I'm a little bit disappointed that, that that there's been emphasis on the cure in the um, in the in the series. Uh, it could go a couple of different ways. Um, of course, now you from a plot twist perspective, you think that they might have to go after Jim for a viable uh, brain sample. Wonder what the ethics are on that one. But uh, it makes for for great entertainment, and and really, I'm I'm just wondering what the heck we're going to do for for eleven months until the next series debuts. They got to debut it earlier than that. I'm hoping. Um, I'm, I'm hearing that the ratings are great, so I'm looking forward to a little bit more budget and perhaps you know thirteen, fifteen, eighteen episodes next year. Um, I think there's certainly enough um, fodder in the in the comic book series to, to feed some great ideas. Sorry to ramble, but I enjoy the show. I enjoy everything uh, uh, you guys do in support of of, of it and uh, the series. Take care, guys. So Robert Kirkman had an interview this week with uh, Entertainment Weekly went up today where he kind of touches on a lot of the same things that Loki Beat was saying. Um, so he says, it occurred to me if this were to happen to real people, real people wouldn't be concerned with why it's happening and how to fix it. They would just be concerned with finding food and surviving from day to day. But Frank Darabont said, hey, we're in Atlanta and the CDC is based in Atlanta, so wouldn't they at least pop by? And I said, huh, because I didn't know where the hell the CDC was stationed. Uh, he goes on a little bit. Uh, he says – like they said before, look, we're always going to go back to the path. Um, Frank has always maintained that the comic book is a path, but we're not stuck on it. If a story idea comes up, we're going to leave the path for an episode or two, but we'll always come back to it. I'm sure there are people, some people out there who say, the CDC, what the heck, this isn't in my comic book, this is no good. And all I would say to those people is, calm down. Uh, he then goes on to talk about how this isn't a show like Lost where you're worried about questions and answers. If it's a question they want to answer, they're going to answer it. And if it's not a question they're going to answer, they're going to make it clear that it's not important. So I think that'll be factored in quite a bit in the next episode as we go forward. Real quick before we move on, do you guys think they're going to linger on finding the cure? No. As Loki Beat is, no. is nervous about? No, no, I think that's I what Kirkman so. was saying just then. I, I would give it calm down. I would give it this upcoming episode and maybe a mention in the season two premiere. But I think that's going to be the kind of the whole point is to squelch the entire idea of finding a cure. And just make it as we can't do it, there is none, or this was the last place it ever could find a cure, and it's gone, or something like that. What I love is is that I'm familiar enough with the books that I'm watching the the show and I'm seeing, okay, well, that is from the text, that's from the text. But it keeps me guessing about all the things that aren't, and it makes it you know much more fun for me to watch. I think we'd all really be bored if we were watching you know, a panel-by-panel panel recreation of, you know, is, issue-by-issue of... Robert Kirkman's The Walking Dead. I think we get the best of both worlds this time. This way, we get the references to the graphic novel, plus the storylines that take place on their own. I'm going to do uh, two quick ones back-to-back. Hi, my name is Terry. I'm calling from Michigan. Um, just want to call about the latest episode of The Walking Dead. Um, but before I say that, I just want to let you know I started watching the show and then got into the comic after let me tell you, I love the comic. Um, I basically went out and bought all of them. I just went trade paperback number 13, but yeah, I've read each of them, and I'm reading through them again because it's that good. So with that, with having said that, um, watch the latest episode of The Walking Dead, episode number five. I, is that named The Wildfire? I don't remember. But I liked it up until the point that they got to the CTC. That just didn't really seem to fit with everything. 
Um, maybe, I mean, obviously I'll give it a chance and see where they go with it, um, see what they have up their sleeve. But it just seemed like they were kind of getting into the, you know, little sciency there with trying to figure out the cure and all that stuff. Or maybe they're trying to, I don't know what they're doing. But um, I'm just kind of curious to hear what everyone thinks about that part. So I uh, love the podcast and look forward to the newest episode. Thanks a lot. Hey, what's up, guys? This is from Wisconsin. Just wanted to give my thoughts on episode five real quick before you record. Um, just want to say, first of all, I wish that they would have uh, sped up the episode a little bit. I thought it was a little slow. Um, I guess I got kind of used to that since episode four, but I was hoping for a little bigger ending. Um, and also, too, I wish they would describe a little bit more of when they got to the CTC. Why did they pick up, like, M16s? Why did they look around? Do what was all laying on the ground? Um, all of a sudden, it got dark very quickly. I don't know what was up with that. Um, and then the other thing I liked in the episode was the tension um, in the camp. It seems a little little higher up there, and people starting to disagree and not, you know, all happy and stuff like that. And just really nervous and seeing those things are going. Um, I think that's pretty much about my stuff I want to add. And I hope to hear the podcast tomorrow, and hope you guys have a good report. All right, later. What do you guys think about that, about... Uh... You know, they were worried about running out of ammo and everything, and they kind of left all those dead military bodies and their guns alone when they got to the CDC. They could have probably picked up some stuff there. Yeah, I think initially they are just worried about getting into shelter right before, away. Because, before dark. I mean, that was the big thing about that scene. It was getting darker outside, and they knew they wouldn't be able to defend themselves at, at night. Yeah, and I think they realized, too, that the sound of gunfire is just going to attract more and more of them, and without having a place to, to hide to, you know, firing off a bunch of guns are probably going to just attract more, especially in a, uh urban area, uh, you know, as opposed to out in the middle of nowhere. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for those voicemails. Uh, we appreciate them. There's probably one or two that we're not going to be able to get to uh, right now, but maybe we'll open next show with them uh, like we did today. So I'd like to go right to Brad now, who can talk about our big Twitter contest and announce the winner. So I guess got to hand it to the listeners who participated in this Twitter contest for uh, 12 Walking Dead trades. I had some great response to this. And uh, for those of you that don't know, maybe you're listening to the show for the first time. Last episode, we announced a Twitter contest for those of us that follow our Twitter feed. Um, on Black Friday, we were going to announce a way to enter the contest to where you could win the first 12 Walking Dead trades. They're my trades, and I wanted to give them away as a contest. So uh, those who were paying attention saw a link to a video that I made, and in that video it told you what to do to enter the contest, which was tell me what you think the zombie outbreak was caused by. And we got we got about 24 or 25 entries, and uh, there were some really, really good ones. And, uh, you know, I, I can imagine, first off, I couldn't write my way out of a paper sack. So I would have a really hard time entering this contest trying to come up with some reason for this to happen or some story or whatever. But we had some great participation. We had a couple of people literally write short stories. Uh, we had uh, one guy actually made a video. And he linked. He sent us a link to the video with his explanation for what happened. Um, but I, I, I made a list of, of all the 
causes that people came up with. A lot of them were similar. So, uh, some of them were actually the very same. We had a lot of good entries, obviously, so I'm just going to read a few here. I wrote them all down, but I'm just going to read a couple here that, that are really kind of cool. Um, we had a riff on the umbrella T-virus uh, thing. We had uh, a contaminated flu vaccine theory. Uh, Justin Bieber actually caused it in, in one guy's entry, uh, along, with, <laughs> along with George Bush. Obviously, we know what side of the fence he's on. Um, and then somebody actually based it in reality. There's an actual parasite that I'm going to mispronounce it. It's called Toxoplasma gondi or gondi, and he had a wiki reference to that. So he, you know, he based his theory in uh, reality. Um, somebody said there was a series of vaccines that the government forced on the population a while back that kind of mutated into this. Actually, two people say the outbreak was caused by a mutated H1N1 flu virus. And we actually had two people blame it on energy drinks. One was a real energy drink called Four Locos. I don't know if you guys have heard about this energy drink. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's made some headlines here in, in Texas. Um, it's an uh, alcoholic energy drink full of caffeine. And, uh, it's, Red Bull and vodka or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, it's, it's actually been taken off the market now. Um, and then also uh, another energy drink called Buster's Revenge was the cause of, of one of them. Uh, vampires was another cause. Uh, vampire plus vampire equals zombie. He said vampires are all the rage, so why can't we blame it on them? One of the oddest ones that I got was uh, a short story in which Lori almost kills an old gypsy woman in her car on accident. And I think the gypsy woman kind of cursed somebody or something and it caused the outbreak. Uh, we had a mutated strain of flu that was called the walking flu, which is where the walkers got their name. Thought that was interesting. Um, somebody wrote a story about an artifact from space that ended up being underground. And two guys discovered it, and uh, it affected them, and they started the outbreak. Uh, human flesh being sold as hamburger meat and pork was one. There's three I wanted to touch on that were, you know, all those were, were, were very similar, but these, these, were, these three here were entertaining enough to me and, and original enough to me that, uh, that I, I wanted to single them out. So um, this guy says, the people of The Walking Dead bought and watched too much Blu-ray and HD TV. They sat at home, never leaving the comfort of their couches. Over the time, uh, they began to change. Since they wouldn't leave the house, d delivered food was the norm. So many bu people bought pizza that there was no more bacon or sausage. Oh, and some deranged guy murdered his ex-girlfriend since she cheated on him and gave him the gonochlamydia H1 villius. So he cut her up into pieces and put her on a pizza. It was the right mixture of STDs, sauce, dough, and extra cheese that created the craving for human flesh. Remember, always wear a condom when you cheat on your significant other. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Um, this was another one that was that made me laugh. Uh, the zombie apocalypse started when the Dharma Initiative made an agreement with the Black Smoke Monster. The agreement stated that if the Smoke Monster protected the Initiative's people from the hostiles in exchange, the Initiative helped the Smoke Monster get off the island. Once off the island, the monster started to kill as many people as possible. Jacob tried to revive these people but failed and turned them into zombies. Can't get away from Lost. It always goes back to Lost. Boom. Now, again, I want to say thank you to everybody who participated. It was really, really cool seeing all the the different ideas. 
But I'm going to give the winner to uh, Soda on the forum, Joe Jans. Let me just read his uh, verbatim. It's a well-known fact that there is a secret society of the five wealthiest people in the world known as the Pentaveret, who run everything in the world, including the newspapers, and meet triannually at a secret country mansion in Colorado known as the Meadows. The Pentaveret is made up of the Queen, the Vatican, the Getz, or Gettys, G-E-T-T-E-S, maybe that's something I'm supposed to know, but don't, the Rothschilds, and Colonel Sanders. The Pentaveret decided... What's the matter, to- Colonel Sanders? Chicken? <laughs> the Pentaveret decided to ostracize Colonel Sanders due to sales and lack of creative marketing campaigns. In a fit of rage, the colonel reversed the order of the 11 herbs and spices in his next batch of chicken. <laughs> now, as everyone knows, when these 11 herbs and spices are added in the correct order, they create the most potent addictive force known to man. But when the order is reversed, they become evil. Evil, I says. It only took one bucket of original crispy original recipe to start the zombie holocaust. That's why everyone hates Colonel Sanders. So I'm going to give it to Soda because his made me laugh. It was a really hard decision. I thought, you know, I need to pick something that's not silly and, and you know, one of these actual medical things. It needs to be the winner. But like I said, they were my 12 trades, my contest. So I'm going to give the trades to uh, Joe Jans, Soda on the forum. I want to thank everybody for participating. And uh, those of you who are angry because I didn't give you the prize, you can uh, you know send me an email and tell me how much I suck. But uh, again, my contest, my prize. I want to thank thank everybody for participating, and thank you for offering those twelve trades and for the awesome video clip that uh, launched the contest. That was fantastic. Yeah, I had fun making that. That was pretty fun. And. I guess as we close up here, don't fret, listeners. Uh, like we mentioned early on, we're going to have a lot more opportunities for people to win prizes, trades, um, you know, both, I think, hardcover and softcover. Um, so if you didn't win this time, you know, don't get discouraged. We're, we'll, we'll try and come up with some uh, creative contests, hopefully as creative as, as Brad um, made up last week, uh, for, you to li- for you to win. So, so just hold, hold tight with us. Um, and I guess I- that... I was going to say, I actually feel kind of bad that I had to pick one person to win because everybody obviously put a lot of thought into this. And thanks for the big turnout. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's, for a short time frame contest like that, that's a lot, of, a lot of entries. And we really appreciate everybody's participation, not only with the contest, but with the voicemails, with the emails, with the, you know, the tweets, the iTunes reviews, all that stuff. I mean, the, the show that, you know, it, it, it does our hearts good to know that uh, that many people are listening, and and that the, um, you know, the the numbers, you know, for the show keep you know keep a, a steady incline as they do for the TV show. So again, thanks to all. All right, so that does it for this week's episode number five, Wildfire. As always, you can leave us a voicemail at five one six four six eight seven nine one two. You can send us an email at comments at walkingdeadtv.com. Join in on the discussion at forumforgeeks.com. That's forum, F-O-R, geeks.com, where we have um, forums for our show, our other podcasts, uh, Half Hour Wasted and Legion of Dudes, as well as other podcasts uh, that are a part of the Forum for Geeks network, as well as the Walking Dead podcast network, where you'll find a whole cornucopia of 
Walking Dead related podcast for the, the TV show, the comic, um, both, all that, all that good stuff going on. That's right, Russ. There's a ton of great content there, including uh, Walking Dead cast just had some interviews with Kirkman, Jeffrey DeMunn, uh, Stephen Yun, and uh, Chandler Riggs. There's a ton of stuff there from all the shows. So check that out. If you like our show, you're probably going to like them too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, as you look around, if you're if you're into the show and into the podcast, um, you know, each show I think offers up something a little different. So there's a lot of there's a lot of love to go around. And speaking of one of our fellow forum uh, members on there, uh, our very own Jim Dietz was lucky enough to be on the Two True Freaks podcast to talk about The Walking Dead. That's right, and there are uh, November Podcast of the Month on Forum for Geeks. Peter was nice enough to have me on along with uh, Chris Johnson, also a member of the forums, and uh, Drake. And uh, it, it was pretty cool because uh, here on the Walking Dead TV podcast, we keep it spoiler-free uh, for the comics. And on True, Two True Freaks, uh, it was totally spoiler uh, alert on. So we were able to talk about a lot of spoilers for the comic coming up. So if you are familiar with the comic and uh, you want to hear what I have to say that I can't say on this podcast, uh, check out that one. And they were very happy to have me on. Uh, they're the uh, podcast of the month for November on forumforgeeks.com, which you should definitely check out because that is where geeks meet on the Internet. Awesome. So now I will, as always, give it to Mr. Jordan for the final word of the show. So if you don't want to be spoiled – um, with our previews for next week and what's going on with episode six, the finale, then I bid you good day. Thanks, Russ. So until there's no more room in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, look, just because I was born in 1987 doesn't mean I haven't seen film classics. I mean, come on, I'm not Amish. And for episode six, TS-19, Rick and the group are allowed into the CDC by a strange doctor, but all is not what it seems in their newfound haven. See you next week, folks. Good night. Good night. Prince.